you would this morning, take your Bibles, find the book of Luke, once again, chapter 5. Start verse 27. Remember last week we started a, a, a series of messages on uh, following Jesus, on missing persons. Well, I want to continue that this morning. Luke 7 of Luke chapter 5 says, After these things he went forth and saw a publican, that's a tax collector, named Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. But the scribe, their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Father, this morning, I pray that we would not be distracted. I pray you'd call to my mind what I need to, to think on, what I need to say. You give me the strength of voice and strength of body that I need, and I pray that we would be focused on your word. God, focus on what you're saying to us and nothing else. I pray we'll take this message to heart today and we will live it out in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. I was reading not long ago, folks, about the most exclusive club in the world. Now, it only has one qualification. You only have to meet one qualification to be in this exclusive club. And uh, believe it or not, it doesn't have anything to do with money. I mean, amazingly enough, it's not money. I was reading yesterday, the CEO and founder of Amazon, I guess his name, Jeff Bezos, is that how you say his name? Bezos? Bezos? He's worth $112 billion. That's not million. Billion dollars. There's no person alive worth that much money. Now, I was reading about Bill Gates. Now, that guy's Bezos. He's the richest guy in the world right now. Uh, Gates, he's actually one of the richest guys in America, and he's worth about 65 to $70 billion. But you know what? Neither one of those guys, with all their money, that wouldn't buy them into this club. But also, this club, uh, it's not... You don't get in this club from fame either. Uh, I read an article that said last year the most famous people in the world was Mark Zuckerberg, I think is how you say it, the founder of, of Facebook, and then two actors, that uh, Ryan Reynolds and, and uh, Leonardo DiCappuccino or whatever his name is. Uh, but fame won't get you into that club. Uh, it's not popularity because if you go according to Twitter, the most popular people on the planet are Taylor Swift, Kate Perry, Katy Perry, and somebody else I don't even know. It's not about influence. I mean, surveys show that the, the, the three most influential people of the 21st century was Oprah Winfrey, Steve Jobs, and again, Mark Zuckerberg. Now, none of them were allowed to get into this club. The most exclusive club in the world only has five living members, and there's one qualification to get into this club. Now, the only requirement, and guess what it is? The only requirement is a title. You must have held this title, and the title is President of the United States. The most exclusive club in the world is known as the President's Club. Well, you know, i got to think about that, and I want to tell you, there's another club, to me, that's far more fascinating, far more exciting, far more important, 
And it's the only club I know of that is inclusive and exclusive at the same time. Uh, it's a club that you can belong to, but it's only a club for the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing about it. There's only one qualification. You have to, have to be a candidate to join this club, and that is you have to be a missing person. Remember, I told you last week that a missing person is anyone who is far from God that can be invited to come near to God. So, in essence, like I said last week, there's an amber alert out for anyone who is far from God. Jesus himself even said the reason he left heaven and came to earth was to rescue, find and rescue missing persons. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, remember last week, Jesus already had found his first missing person. There were four fishermen. There was Andrew, Peter, James, and John. What did Jesus do? He invited them to follow him, to come and and go with him, to follow him, and they did. He also told them that he wanted them to quit fishing for fish and begin fishing for people. He wanted them to begin looking for missing persons. So I've got a question for you. If you're a Christian, listen to me. Here's the question. What kind of missing persons are we to look for? What kind of fish are we to go after? Well, we're going to learn that this morning. And it's pretty simple. What the disciples were about to learn, it shook them to the core. It shocked their religious ideas. And here's what I want you to take home with you today. Everybody, folks, everybody is invited to follow Jesus Christ. And anybody can follow Jesus Christ. I want you to look in Luke 5. Jesus told his new friends what they were to do, and then he shows them how to do it. And the same way he did it, that's the way he wants us to do it as well. The first thing, verse 27, I want you to see is we're to ask everyone to follow Jesus. Look at verse 27 again. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me. The disciples thought that they were just taking a nice walk on a pretty day. I'm sure they had passed by that tax booth a hundred times in their life. And every time they passed by, I guarantee you, they didn't raise their eyes up and look at the tax collector. They ignored him and just went on past. But the Bible tells us that Jesus saw Levi. I want you to look at that word saw. It's a strong word in the Greek language. We're told that, that Jesus saw him. Let me tell you what the word saw means. It means to stare at, to focus intently and deliberately on. It means to look at something, to to see all parts and all aspects of something. And that's what Jesus does with Levi. He stopped. He began to look at this tax collector up and down. Let me ask you, do you ever feel uncomfortable and you think that somebody's staring at you? Does that make you uncomfortable? You know, what's even worse is when you turn around and realize somebody really was staring at you. Well, how would you like to figure out and find out that person that's staring at you is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, at this time, Jesus' fame had spread like wildfire throughout Palestine. So I'm sure Levi knew who Jesus was. And then Jesus opens his mouth and he says the last thing that Levi would ever think he would hear from Jesus. He looks at Levi and Jesus says, follow me. Now, he was asking Levi to become one of his disciples. You say, what's the big deal about that? Let me explain the significance of this. In first century Palestine, folks, the word disciple does not mean what it means today. When we think of the word disciple today, what's the image that comes to mind? It's It's pupils being taught a lesson by a teacher. 
But back in this day and time, that's not what it meant. It meant an apprenticeship. A disciple was someone who didn't just learn a skill, friend. They learned a way of life. That's why Jesus doesn't say to Levi. That's why he doesn't say, learn from me. He said, follow me. In other words, Jesus was saying, Levi, I don't want you to just to change the way you think. I want you to change your life. Now, folks, there was something that was even more amazing, I believe, to both Levi and the disciples, and that is this. Now, think about this. Jesus was considered a rabbi. That means a master teacher. He was a rabbi. And rabbis in that day and age, they did not ask students to become their disciples. That was unheard of. Students sought out and asked rabbis if they could become their disciples. Now, in order to follow a particular rabbi, you had to apply for it. You had to meet certain standards. I mean, you, you had to be considered uh, and looked at. And uh, Matter of fact, you had to have a very impressive knowledge of the first five books of the law. And rabbis, if you wanted to be their disciple, you had to quote one of those entire books without making a mistake to even be considered to be a disciple. The selection was intense. It was meticulous. It was painstaking. Rabbis wouldn't let just anybody join them. You know why? Because the rabbi's reputation depended on the quality of their disciples. Jesus did something that no teacher, no rabbi had ever done or would ever think of doing. Instead of people asking Jesus to follow him, Jesus asked people to follow him. No application, just an invitation. Now, though the disciples, they didn't get what Jesus was doing at this point in time. Later on, they will understand. They'll find out what Jesus was doing with Levi was exactly what he, what he wanted them to do with others. You know, Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president, one time said this. He said, the business of America is business. Why don't you listen to me? You're a Christian? Tune in and listen up. Listen to me now. The business of the church, the business of every follower of Jesus Christ is missing persons. That's our business. That's what we're supposed to be about. You realize each and every day of our lives, as we live our daily lives, we're to be looking for missing persons. We're to be inviting people to follow Jesus. Why? Because everybody's invited to follow Jesus, and anybody can follow Jesus. Do you agree with that? I mean, is the gospel for everybody or not? Now, if that wasn't enough, to shake these four fishermen, the next lesson blew them out of the water. Number one, Jesus teaches that, that you ask everyone to follow him. But the second thing we see is we're to accept anyone who is willing to follow Jesus. Now, the first command Jesus ever gave to anyone was a very simple command. It was those two words, follow me. We've already seen how unusual his method was how Jesus invited people to follow him. But what's even more shocking is those whom he invited. Look again at verse 27. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican, a tax collector named Levi, sitting at the receipt of customs, or sitting at the, ta- at the, the tax booth. Now, what was, this was radical. The fact that Jesus invited people to come and be his disciple, that was radical, but that wasn't radical enough because when you look at the list of people that Jesus chose, it, it, it doesn't, it's not a list of who, who, who's who of the day. You know, they're not the popular ones of the day. The people that Jesus chose were the down and outs and the out and outs. I mean, he just chose four hardworking fishermen with no education. 
Uh, and you know what? If you were looking at people that you thought would be Jesus' disciple, the one person you would think, oh, he'll never call that guy, he'll never call somebody like that, would have been Levi. And the reason was because Levi was a tax collector. Does that make sense? Now, let's be honest. I say tax collector, that makes a lot of y'all cringe, doesn't it? Tax collectors get a bad rap. Some of them. Now, tax collectors like back in this day, they didn't get a bad rap. Let me explain why. Tax collectors, he worked for the Roman government. In other words, the Jewish people, they saw him as a traitor to the people. They saw him as an enemy to the Jewish people. Now, the Romans collected taxes through a system known as tax farming. Now, let me explain how this worked. They divided all of Palestine into districts, and every district had a fixed tax that they figured they, they would have to pay. Then, after they got the taxes set, they sold the right to collect those taxes to the highest bidder. So whoever, whoever was the worst thief and criminal was going to be the tax collector. That's the way it worked. Now, there are two categories of taxes back in this day that people had to pay. There was the direct tax, which otherwise known as fixed taxes. That included the poll tax just because you was alive. Uh, that included the, the ground tax, which was a tenth of all wine, oil, grain, uh, things like that that the farmer produced. It was also, there was an income tax back in this day. America wasn't the first one to come up with it, believe it or not. There was an income tax back in this day, but it was a straight 1% across the board for everybody per year. That was the direct tax. Now, tax collectors didn't get rich and make their money on the direct tax. Instead, it was the indirect tax. Let me explain this to you. These, do, these were the, the, the duties, okay, the tolls that allowed the tax collector to commit highway robbery. In other words, the tax collector had unlimited authority to tax anything he wanted to tax, such as if he saw somebody walking down the road, he could charge them a walking tax. If somebody was looking at the clouds, he could charge them a cloud tax. I know it sounds ridiculous, right? We haven't seen it here in America yet. I wonder if it's coming. But in that day, they taxed people for everything. Uh, for instance, they would tax your cart if you was pulling a cart or a horse pulling a cart. And after they taxed the cart, then they would tax according to how many wheels you had on the cart. Now, that sounds a whole lot like our pay toll roads today, does it not? I mean, Marsh and I went to Broken Arrow the other day. I don't know how much money. What did we pay, $50 to get up there and back on the toll road? Unbelievable. But these tax collectors, that's how they got their profit. They charged a, a, a tremendous amount of taxes paid the government what they had to pay them, and then they pocketed the rest of it, kept it for themselves. And here's something else you may not know about ancient tax collectors. They were actually the first loan sharks to come along. Now, if you owed taxes and you didn't have the money to pay taxes, the tax collector would loan you the money to pay the taxes. But he would loan you the money at an exorbitant rate. And so the interest rate, you couldn't even pay it, much less the principal. So when it come due and you couldn't pay it, you know what he did? He took everything you owned and sold it and kept it for himself. This is the first case of taxation without representation. And it reminds me of a story of a little boy I heard about who wanted $10. Now, it's a true story. And this little boy wanted $10. Your grandma said, well, why don't you pray about it? He prayed for two weeks. He didn't get $10. So he decided, I'm going to write. I'll ask him in a letter. So he wrote a letter to God, and he just addressed USA. Well, when he got to the postal authorities, they thought it was cute. They ended up sending it on to the president. And when the president got this letter, one of the secretaries brought it in to him. He saw the letter, and he was impressed and amused by it. So he said, tell you what. He said, send that little boy a $5 bill. 
And he thought, well, surely $5, that's a lot of money, that little boy. The little boy, he was delighted when he got that letter back and he got that $5 bill. And, and uh, he was excited. I mean, that was a lot of money for, for a little boy. But he was so excited, he wanted to write a thank you note to God. So he wrote a thank you note. This is what he said. He said, Dear God, thank you so much for sending me the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you had to send it through Washington, D.C. And as usual, Dad said they deducted half. Now, folks, I don't think it surprised any of us that in Jesus' day, tax collectors were the most despised, the most hated class of people in all of Israel. Again, they were considered traitors. The word in Hebrew that they used, uh, that they called tax collectors, I can't say the Hebrew word, but the word actually meant bloodsuckers or leeches. In short, Levi, the tax collector, he was a missing person that nobody missed. Tax collectors were so despised, they were barred from the synagogues. They were excommunicated. Matter of fact, they were thought of so low that they weren't able to, they were not allowed by law to give testimony in a court of law because they, the government felt their word was useless. I mean, they were on the same rung as a murderer, or a thief, a, a prostitute, or a pimp, a drug pusher. That's the way people thought about tax collectors in that day. And here's something more maybe you never thought about when you read about stories like this in the Bible. But I truly believe even his own parents disowned him. I mean, he was a black sheep of the family. You say, why do you say that, preacher? Notice his name, the name Levi. His parents named him for the third son of Jacob, the one who fathered the Israelite tribe of Levi. Now, understand, folks, Levi was the priestly tribe. And to carry the name Levi, he must have come from the tribe of Levi. And let me, let me make it like this. Let me explain it to you like this. That meant he was expected to serve the Lord as a priest. He was expected to follow in that line. Uh, I'm sure that they intended him to go to Bible college, go to seminary, and likely his father, grandfather, great-grandfather were all priests, and he was supposed to follow in that line. Now understand, for any Jew to abandon their heritage and become a Roman tax collector, that was, that was unthinkable. But for any Jew who was a Levite from the tribe of Levi to abandon their heritage and become a Roman tax collector, it was unheard of. It was unmentionable. That's how bad it was. I want you to think, while this is the point I want to get to, while everybody else is cursing Levi, spitting on him, threatening him, Jesus does the same thing for him that he did for Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Notice everybody thinks this way about this tax collector. What does Jesus do? He gives the same invitation to him that he gives to the other four. Follow me, Levi. Follow me. Now, listen, when you think about it, those invitations that Jesus gave to Peter and Andrew and James and John, they make sense. Those guys were devout Jewish men. They were honest. They were hard workers. I'm sure they attended the synagogue all the time. But to give that type of invitation to a traitor, to a tax collector. And here's something else that will surprise you. Jesus' choice of followers gets even more amazing. You got your Bible open to Luke 5? Look over at chapter 6. Look at verse 15. It talks about a guy named Simon the Zealot as one that Jesus chose. You understand what that means? The word zealot. Simon the Zealot, he, he was the other end of the spectrum from Levi, the tax collector. The zealot meant he was, a, he was a religious fanatic. He was a freedom fighter. He was, for lack of a better term, he was a terrorist. I mean, if you wanted to hire someone to murder Levi, Simon would have been your man. 
Now, in this band of brothers, you got a tax collector on one hand. you got a religious terrorist fanatic on the other hand. Not only does Jesus ask the least likely and the least lovely to follow him, but he even has a way of bringing opposites together. Can you imagine how the conversation might have went? Jesus says, Simon, you're a zealot, you're a freedom, freedom fighter, you're a religious terrorist, uh, you despise Romans and collaborators like tax collectors, but that's all right. Will you follow me? Simon says, sure, I'll follow you. Jesus looks at Levi and says, Levi, you are a traitor, you're a tax collector, you're a collaborator with the Roman Empire, will you follow me? Simon, uh, Levi says, sure, Lord, I'll follow you. Jesus says, that's great then. You say, well, how can such a thing happen? Because I'm sure that Jesus, when Levi and Simon said, yeah, we're going to follow you, Lord, Jesus said, great, Simon, Levi, you guys will be rooming together on the road. How does that happen? Folks, it happens because everyone is invited to follow Jesus and anyone can follow Jesus. And your life is radically and drastically, dramatically and eternally changed when you know Jesus Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, there's a final point that I want you to see this morning. And that is that we are also to associate with those who don't follow Jesus. Now, I want you to stay with me on this. Some of you may already start tuning me out. What happens next to me is even more incredible than Levi leaving his job. He was set for life to be a rich man. He left it all to follow Jesus. But look at verse 29. Look at what he does. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans, that's tax collectors, and of others that sat down with him. So who does he invite to this party? He invites all the other tax collectors. Why does he do that? Because they were his buddies. Folks, do you understand that missing persons hang out with other missing people? And do you understand that that what he's doing is throwing a missing persons party? When you accept the call to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus does not isolate you from the world. Say, well, yeah, we're, we're not supposed to be part of the world. We're to be separate. Yes, we're to be separate, but not isolated. We have to dwell and live in this world. Do you agree with that? If you say, no, I don't, well, what are you doing here this morning? You ought to be a hermit in a cave somewhere. But we live in this world, and you know what I tell you. We are to be in this world, but not of this world. We're not to be isolated. We're to be separated. And Jesus calls us to associate with those who don't know him. You're not to avoid missing persons. You're to fish for them. You're to find them. You're to invite them to follow Jesus Christ. Now, there's a great big party going on. And the most despised, low-life people of all Israel is at this party. And where do you find Jesus at? Right in the middle of it. Someone observed this. They said people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. Let me tell you why it's so important to associate with missing persons. And it's simple, folks. It's so that we can lovingly and we can naturally introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you never get outside of your bubble, outside of your house, or outside the four walls of a church house, how are you going to invite people to follow Jesus Christ? How? And we're supposed to invite everyone. Because anybody that will follow can follow. When people who are far from God truly meet the Son of God, they want to draw near to God. Do you agree with that? I'm going to tell you something else. 
when a person meets God and draws near to God, they have a desire in their heart for others to be drawn near to God as well. <clears throat> Do you know, and let me go ahead and say this. Do you know who dislikes this kind of talk? We're talking about associating with, with the lost. You know who dislikes it the most? Religious people. Look at verse 30. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans, with tax collectors and sinners? Now, who are the scribes and the Pharisees? They were the exact opposite of the tax collectors and sinners. Again, they were the religious of the day. Not redeemed, mind you, but religious. They were religious churchgoers, pew sitters. They dotted every religious I. They crossed every religious T. And you know what? They're in every church. And they've been in every church that I've pastored. And they're the most judgmental folks you'll ever meet. Their attitude was, how dare you ask us to ask us good people to hang around bad people? Well, look at verse 31, what Jesus says. And Jesus answering said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, just to put that in, in easy terms, those who are healthy don't need a physician. Those who are sick are the ones that need help. These religious, and I'd call them fanatics, were farther from God than the people they thought were the farthest from God. Now, here's where, here's where I'm going to drive the point home, and I'm going to wrap it up right here. There are two kinds of people in this story that we looked at today. There were people who thought Jesus was too good for them, and then there were people who thought they were too good for Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. The first group, those who thought that Jesus was too good for them, they become followers. The second group, who thought that they were too good for Jesus, they're failures. So which group are you in? There's only one qualification to becoming a follower of Jesus. You know what that is? See, you have to be a missing person. Yeah, let's tighten the focus. It is to be a sinner. If you are not a sinner, you don't need to follow Jesus because you don't need a Savior if you're not a sinner. But i got news for you. There's not a person in this room that's not a sinner. The Bible says we all, like sheep, have gone astray. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Friend, I'm, I'm a believer after 30 years of preaching. One reason why many people don't come to Jesus Christ is because they don't see themselves spiritually sick in need of a doctor. They do not see themselves as sinners in need of a Savior. Many people have come to church for years and years and years. <clears throat> and their church membership and their so-called good life has insulated them from the true need, which is salvation in Jesus Christ. You need to understand, though, and, I, and I, let me put this, the bottom line is, who's invited to follow Jesus? Everyone. It's an open invitation. Do you, do you agree with that? It's open to anybody. But I, I, and I've told people, when I've witnessed to them, it's open. Man, the invitation is given. They'll say, preacher, my life's terrible. I've had a bad life. You're still invited. Preacher, I've been divorced four times. You're still invited. Preacher, I'm an addict. You're still invited. Preacher, you don't know what all I've done in my life. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The invitation's open. Everyone's invited to follow Jesus. Anyone can. But I want to show you something else real quick. Look at verse 28. You need to understand one thing, however. Jesus expects the same response out of you that Peter gave. It says, when Jesus said, follow me, Peter, I'm sorry, the Levi. When Jesus said, follow me, and it says in verse 28, and he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, you read that right, folks. Levi lost everything when he followed Jesus. He lost everything. 
Now, before you get second thoughts, I want you to remember something. Following Jesus may very well cost you everything. But I want to assure you, not following Jesus will cost you a whole lot more. Because it will cost you eternity. Now, think about Levi. Had Levi said no to Jesus, most likely he would have died a very rich man. But he would have died a very lost man. And he'd be in hell today. But because he said yes to Jesus Christ, he may not have died a rich man, but he died a saved man. And he's in the presence of God right now. Because he said yes to Jesus Christ, we're still talking about him thousands of years later. Because he said yes to Jesus Christ, Jesus changed his name from Levi to Matthew. And he wrote one of the books in the Bible. And because he said yes to Jesus, I believe that's one of the reasons that many people still name their sons Matthew today. I want you to understand something. I'm, I'm done right here. The best the world has to offer you, it's trash and it's garbage compared to the worst that Jesus can give you. I'm so glad everybody's invited to follow Jesus and anybody can follow Jesus. So here's my question. Are you following Jesus Christ? So I don't know how. Well, in just a minute, won't you step out and walk down here? Say, preacher, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know, I don't know how to start. I'll be more than happy. Now, if you're in your Christian, you'll take these points to heart. Realize we're to ask everybody to follow Jesus. Everyone deserves that invitation. Realize, secondly, we're to accept anyone who's willing to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter if maybe they don't dress like, just like we do. Maybe they don't look just like we do. Maybe they don't sound like us. Lord help them, maybe they're from north somewhere. But that's not important. You heard me say it many times. The ground around the cross is level. Every one of us who are Christians come to Jesus the same way. By grace, through faith. And then, don't be afraid to associate with those who are not following Jesus. How are they going to hear the gospel? How are they going to hear about Jesus if we don't tell them? Would you bow your heads, please? In just a minute, we'll stand and have a time of invitation. I don't know what decision you need to make today. If you're not following Jesus, I can tell you that's the first decision. You need to surrender your life to Him. You need to come forward and say, Preacher, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow Him. That's first. Maybe uh, maybe God's dealing with your heart and you need to rededicate your life and come and do so. Maybe you just need to come forward and pray this morning. By all means, that's, that's what these steps are here for. I don't know what decision you need to make, but this is your opportunity to make it. Friend, don't disregard, don't disregard the grace of God. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to be patient with us, to be long-suffering with us, to continue to convict us and woo us and draw us to yourself. But Father, I also know that the time comes when your spirit will not always strive with a man. And that time comes and you say it's enough and you remove your conviction. Father, I pray for those here today, here at that point. I pray that conviction would come once again and I pray they would answer that. They would step out and make the decision that they need to make. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand, please?